focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters in Cha Ji-hee and Chang Hana. Guys, welcome back. Good happy evening. Friday. And happy Friday. And anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. We, we, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> Hannah came in today. She's like, Is, what's going on today? <laughs> today yeah, because there was talk. Yeah, we had rice mm-hmm. cakes uh, in the, uh, the office. She was like, what's going on today? It's 20th anniversary. <laughs> but uh, we'll leave that for later on. But uh, for now, we have a, a ton of issues to talk about uh, in the headlines. We're going to start things off with the 21st National Assembly kicking off its final regular session today. Uh, we had the opening ceremony at 2 p.m. in the main hall. Uh, gee, let's hear more about what the key agendas of the debate between the ruling and opposition parties have been. Sure. So the final session of the 21st sen- uh, na- National Assembly and the second regular session of the Yoon Seok-yeol administration began a 100-day-long session that will last until until the 9th of December. And as the general election is just about seven months away, uh, both the ruling and opposition parties are expected to compete for government control during this session. Now, the government will face four days of parliamentary questioning from uh, September 5th to 8th on national affairs, including politics, foreign affairs, unification, security, society, education, and the economy. The Democratic uh, and the People Power Parties will deliver speeches on the 18th and 20th, respectively, and national audits will be conducted from the 10th to the 30th of uh, of next month, and personnel hearings on the nominees of Lee Kyun-yong for Supreme Court Chief Justice and Park Moon-gyu for Minister of Trade will also be held during this regular session. Now, the ruling PPP aims to prioritize supporting the realization of major reforms in pension, labor, and education, as well as national tasks during the second year of the Yoon administration. And on the other hand, opposition parties, including the Democratic Party, plan to highlight the incompetence of the Yoon administration by digging into government failures. Now, the ruling and opposition parties are expected to continue to clash over several issues. Uh, These include the release of contaminated water from Japan's Fukushima nuclear power plant, the disruption of the Semangum World Scout Jimbari suspicions of outside pressure in the investigation, as well as the investigation into the death of Marine Corps Corporal Chemo and uh, the Seoul Yangpyeong Expressway scandal and the controversy surrounding the appointment of Lee dong as the chairman of the Korea Communications Commission. Yeah, I just want to make a note here that uh, the because <laughs> we can't read quotations, right? So the incompetence of the UN administration is not what we're saying, is what the Democratic <laughs> Party uh, is saying. I just want to make that clear here. Oh, yes, quote unquote. It, it is not what she feels. <laughs> no, no. About is the reason why they're mm-hmm. having these talks, but mm-hmm. it's what the DP yes. is saying. And uh, what's going to be quite interesting, I guess, in some ways, is that uh, right now, currently, although the ruling party uh, is the People Power Party, and the government is, of course, the, the UN administration being a People Power Party, that's the ruling party, uh, the National Assembly is still dominated by the DP. And so come next April with the general election, there is no telling as to what is going to happen. Of course, the ruling PPP trying to reverse that, uh, take over the National uh, Assembly, uh, while as the DP continues to try to hold on to the majority which is why 
just in case, right? <laughs> just in case, there are going to be some bills that the DP is going to push for while they have the majority before the next April general election. So let's talk about that as well. Sure. So there's clearly going to be a clash between the ruling and opposition parties over controversial bills. Um, and they include some bills that the Democratic Party is vowing to pass, such as the Fukushima nuclear power plant contaminated water response special safety measures act number four and there's also the yellow envelope act which is an amendment to uh, some of the articles of the labor management relations act and then there's also the broadcasting act number three which is also an amendment to the broadcasting act as well as the broadcasting and cultural promotion uh, association act um, and the ruling party opposes all of these bills and insists on passing another special law to create a space agency, which was a campaign promise of President Yoon. Now, the ruling and opposition parties are expected to engage in a heated debate over the 656.9 trillion won budget for next year as well. And this is uh, the government has submitted it to the National Assembly. Now, while the ruling party is highlighting that the budget has been prepared in a fiscally responsible manner, the opposition is pushing for an increase in total spending by over 6% uh, under what they call a no-passage policy. In the meantime, the political situation uh, certainly quite tense and freezing over once again as the leaders, uh, leader of the Democratic Party, Lee Jae-myung, uh, launched an indefinite hunger strike uh, this on the August 31st, uh, vowing to stop the UN administration's destruction of democracy. Again, these are quotes used by uh, DP leader Lee Jae-myung. Uh, with the regular session of the National Assembly again uh, beginning today, starting today, uh, this year's session is expected to be more contentious than any others. We talked about, of course, again, uh, this is the final uh, session before the April general election as well. Uh, majority leader of the National Assembly taking aim at the current government. We have a number of issues at hand. Hannah, tell us more about uh, E's hunger strike and uh, just more into details of what is behind all of this. Sure. Uh, now, Lee staged an indefinite hunger strike at a tent in front of the National Assembly to fight against the government of President Yoon due to reasons such as the discharge of contaminated water in Fukushima, the removal of a bust of independence activist General Hong Bom-do, the investigation into Marine Corporal Chemo, who died on duty, and the alleged change of the the terminus of the Seoul Yangpyeong Expressway, along with the appointment of Lee Dong-gwan as chairman of the Korea Communications Commission, and of course uh, demanding the president to publicly apologize for damaging civilian life and undermining democracy, uh, as well as to asking for a sweeping national reform and reshuffle. Now, he virtually dismissed calls from some in his party for him to step down, while also reiterating his intention to lead the party to victory in next year's general General election. Now, the ruling PPP characterized Lee's fast as quote-unquote bulletproof fa uh, fast ahead of his appearance before prosecutors in a vote on the motion to arrest him. The intention was to prevent any sympathy for Lee's hunger strike. But the Democratic Party is using the hunger strike to signal a shift into an all-out fight mode, and it is expected that the judicial risks such as the prosecution summons for Lee Jae-myung's uh, due to the allegations about 
the proxy payment of Lee's legal fees and a transfer of funds to North Korea, the uh, request for an arrest warrant, and the recurrence of intra-party infighting in the process of voting on the arrest motion will determine the outcome of the hunger strike. Yeah, and so the timing of this is going to be quite interesting. Remember, it began yesterday, and mm -hmm. today was the start of the 21st National Assembly's regular session, the final regular session before the general elections. Now, the consensus right now amongst the political uh, realm is that if the DP wants to continue to hold on to the majority of the National Assembly, uh, do some of them consider Lee Jae-myung as a risk, uh, potentially preventing the DP from holding on to the majority? Who knows? Because if you remember the voting that took place on the arrest motion, it barely got denied because a number of DP members, again, this was voted on unanimously, uh, sorry, uh, anonymously. So no one knows who voted what and you know who voted this and that and so forth. But it was very, very close to the point where it almost passed the uh, arrest motion. And so all of this right now, whether or not he's continuing to do this to continue his political career or how will even not just the PPP, but how will the DP uh, see this move is going to be quite interesting. So uh, next year is going to be very, very big. It's probably going to be one of the bigger. Uh, actually, it is the biggest uh, political uh, event for next year. Uh, but uh, we've had let's face it, uh, several cases of politicians going on hunger strikes for uh, different reasons, but uh, causes and causes, but uh, not all of them have really turned out to be successful in reaping achievements. I, I think it's more symbolic than anything, uh, but nevertheless, let's let's take a look at some of them, Ji. Sure. So it's uncertain, really, whether uh, Lee Jae-myung's hunger strike will result in any benefits, uh, inclus including an increase in support for his party, because it, back in history, we've seen a lot of these strikes before, but not all of them turned out to be successful. So there was a 23-day fast uh, fasting undertaken by former President Kim Young-sam while serving as the head of the New Democratic Party back in 1983. And this led to the establishment of the party. And similarly, uh, the 13-day uh, strike carried out by former President Kim Dae-jung as the head of the Peace Democratic Party in 1990 resulted in the 1991 local council elections and the 1995 local government head elections. So these uh, individuals have surely gained benefits from their hunger strikes. However, the most recent hunger strike, which was by Hwang Kyo-won, a member of the Liberty Korea Party, which is now the People Power Party, uh, this was back in November 2019, he went on a strike to protest against the introduction of the interlocking proportional representation system and this only lasted for nine days and didn't achieve any results. Uh, the party, in fact, lost the 21st general election in April 2020, despite Huang's intensification of his hunger strike by fasting and shaving his head and holding uh, out-of-home rallies, uh, rallies as well. So the key to Lee Jae-myung's hunger strike would be whether it can gain public support beyond the hardline supporters, uh, and the effectiveness of this strike could be significantly reduced if the public perceives it as Lee's tactic to uh, distract from potential legal consequences. And a senior spokesperson, in fact, from uh, the People Power Party criticized Lee, stating that he used a shameless approach 
to divert attention from his impending legal judgment. And a similar criticism was made by Yu Seung-min, who said Lee's strike was a bulletproof fast to avoid detention and uh, not fasting, but uh, resignation was the answer for him. Yeah, so uh, Chihi gave us couple of examples of, I guess, successful uh, mm. fasting strikes, uh, fast protests that took place. And this was around the time that the public sentiment uh, was kind of leaning towards, uh, for example, like Kim Young-sam or leaning towards uh, Kim Dae-jung. Now, Hang Yong-won was a little bit different because around this time, if you're looking at November 2019, uh, this was when... You know, the uh, the main opposition, uh, Democratic Party, was the, uh, under the, the Moon administration, uh, kind of, they were doing really well at the time. I mean, uh, they kind of start sinking after a, a while and so forth. Um, so the consensus towards the PPP at the time was not so good. So the public sentiment towards PPP was not so good, which is why the hunger strike and all that stuff didn't really work to this case. And it's kind of the same way with Lee Jae-myung because, again, Lee Jae-myung, although a, uh, the leader of the, de- uh, the main opposition Democratic Party, there's a rift even amongst the supporters of the Democratic Party. So can he gain sort of the, uh, the, the support from the Democratic Party supporters or get the sentiments, kind of have the same sentiments? That's the big question right now because I think it's split down the middle, whereas a lot of people still believe, even the Democratic Party uh, supporters believe that Lee Jae-myung is going to be a big uh, a bump, uh, I guess a road bump or whatever you call it, uh, liability uh, for the next general elections. But uh, we'll see what happens because this is, I think, the rift between the two parties. This is one of the biggest I've seen uh, in recent memory. Uh, moving on here, uh, we talked earlier this uh, week uh, with an expert in Professor uh, Song Su Young at Chungang uh, University about the pension and uh, an expert committee within the government discussed reforms to the national pension system uh, has issued a report that calls for higher premium rates and a later pensionable age. So obviously there's gonna be a lot of people who are gonna be very mm-hmm. much against that idea. Uh, Hannah, what, what, what has changed on this? Uh, yeah, so as SJ mentioned, the proposal suggests higher premium rates and later pensionable age. But the idea to increase the income replacement ratio, which is uh, the ratio of the amount of pension you will receive to your average income during your pension contribution payment period, was ultimately dropped from the reform as the debate broke down. And based on the reports, the Ministry of Health and Welfare will create a comprehensive operation plan for the national pension with government reforms and sub- Submitted to the National Assembly by October. Now, in terms of the contribution rate, which is the rate at which pensioners are charged for their monthly pension contributions, the National Pension Financial Estimates Committee came up with scenarios of increasing the contribution rate from 9% since 1998 to 12%, 15%, and 18%, respectively. Now, starting in 2025, the rate would increase by 0.6 percentage points a year for five years to 12%, then to 15% in 10 years, and to 18% in 15 years, which would push the current projected end of fund date of uh, two 
2055 to 2063, 2071, and 2082, respectively. Now, in terms of the pensionable age, three different scenarios for delaying the reception of benefits to age 66, 67, and 68 were presented. Now, the full retirement age was 60 in 2013, and it is being adjusted by one year every five years until 2033 to 65. Now, this year, the age is 63, and the proposal is to continue the same schedule after 2033, delaying it by one year every five years. So the fund will be exhausted in 2057 if your full retirement age is 66, and 2058 if you are uh, 67, and 2059 if you are 68. Now finally, it is assumed that the investment rate of return of the National Pension Fund is 0.5 percentage points and 1 percentage point higher than the current rate, and this will delay the the point of fund exhaustion to 2057 and 2060 respectively. Now the report came up with a total of 18 scenarios combining situations related to these three variables. I'm trying to calculate how old I'm going to be when I'm 2057 if mm -hmm. it's going to be exhausted by then and I won't get the pension that I've been putting uh, into. But the other criticism has been, again, and in some ways it could be, uh, well, no, there is still the gap, right? There's still like a three-year gap between the retirement age and when you can receive mm -hmm. the pension. And that's been like the big uh, cause for uh, criticism amongst the people who are trying to, which is why we're seeing a lot of people in their 60s getting jobs or working mm -hmm. part-time jobs because they can, I mean, three years without any kind of income, it's kind of hard to come by for uh, many of these South Koreans. Uh, but uh, the other thing has been they need to, because now 60 is no longer the 60 back mm -hmm. in the days they want to work longer years and so which is why the retirement age is going up but when you're the the age when when you can receive the pension is also going up doesn't really make a whole lot of difference uh is the point here uh also the south korean government filing for a cancellation of an in, uh, international tribunal's uh, compensation order in the lone star case uh gee let's get more on that sure so uh the decade-long legal battle battle over the u.s fund sell-off of kb to HANA Financial Group 11 years ago had ended with the World Bank's International Center for Settlement of Investment Disputes order to South Korea to pay 216.5 million U.S. dollars plus uh, interest to Lone Star. Now, the compensation order uh, was made in August last year. However, the Korean government on Friday filed an appeal seeking to cancel this order. The Justice Ministry said its appeal to cancel the decision was filed on grounds that the ruling constitutes a clear overstepping of the tribunal's authority-related procedures were seriously violated and the reasons behind the ruling were not fully documented. Now, the ministry argued that the ruling was made without specifying details of the South Korean Financial Authority's illegal acts as demanded by international law when acknowledging uh, state responsibility. Now, according to the Justice Ministry, the government had also been deprived of its right to cross-question witnesses and present evidence during the process of adopting evidence, and the tribunal's conclusion on why Lone Star had re reasonable profit expectations in its investment in KB was not pro provided. Now, meanwhile, Lone Star also filed an application to cancel the ICSID uh, decision in late July, claiming the ordered compensation was not enough. Let's talk money once again. Uh, the economy, we've 
talked about uh, South Korea being a, a heavily export-relying country, and uh, we've seen uh, export figures sinking for some quite time now. Uh, although the country is seeing a monthly trade balance showing a surplus for the third consecutive month, we are still seeing the export figures uh, falling for the 11th month in a row, uh, but the, they're saying the, the trade surplus was driven by a larger decline in imports due to lower energy and commodity prices. Uh, Hannah, fill us in on the latest figures. Sure. Uh, now, the Ministry of Trade, Industry and Energy released its report on August import and export trends today, and the August trade balance shows a surplus of $870 million. The monthly trade balance has been in surplus since June after 15 consecutive months of def deficit from uh, March last year to May this year. And exports in August totaled $51.87 billion, down 8.4% from the same month last year. Now, the decline in August exports was attributed to lower export unit prices of semiconductors, petroleum products, and petrochemicals, which are the country's main exports, as well as a base effect from last year's record-high August exports, the ministry said. Now, the monthly exports have fallen year-on-year -year for 11 consecutive months since October last year, and this is the longest consecutive export decline since December 2018 to January 2020. Now, by product, exports of semiconductors, which have a large impact on overall export flows, fell 21% in August from the same month last year, marking the 13th month of negative growth. And on a month-on-month -month basis, however, uh, semiconductor exports increased by 15%, continuing the trend of improvement after hitting a low point in the first quarter. And in addition to semiconductors, exports of six other items increased from the same month last year, including automobiles, auto parts, general machinery, ships, displays, and home appliances. But on the other hand, exports of petroleum products, petrochemicals, and steel declined due to lower unit prices. And imports in August total, uh, totaled $51 billion down 22.8% from the same month last year. And the decline in imports of crude oil, uh, gas, and coal uh, was largely attributed to the overall decline in exports due to the downward trend in international energy prices, which includes oil prices. And in addition, imports of semiconductors, semiconductor equipment, and steel also declined. Now, you can kind of look at this in two different ways here. Do you want to look at this half glass full or half glass empty? Because if you're looking at this half glass full, and I'm going to try to look at this more opt optimistic, it is true last year, South Korea saw some record figures mm -hmm. uh, in the export, right? And while uh, during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, while the pandemic was still going on, a number of countries, a lot of countries, major economies were struggling uh, with their export figures, whereas South Korea was just kind of reaping in uh, all this, all the export uh, figures there because of the demand for semiconductors. And so, yes, it is a base effect, right? Because the numbers were so big last year, you compare it to this year where things have settled down a bit. Yes, it's a minus, but still, uh, the numbers that are coming in right now, it's, it's. I mean, I guess we would love to see the, the numbers go back up. But I think, again, it, it's maybe for now uh, we could look at this a little bit optimistic which is then next year when we look at the on-year figures it might go up because mm -hmm. this year was uh, so bad right so maybe we could uh, kind of look at this a bit more optimistically uh there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of anniversaries going on today uh, <laughs> yes. 
So uh, we have apparently uh, commonality with ramen. Uh, Arirang Radio is celebrating 20th anniversary, but apparently also this year marks the 20th anniversary, 60th anniversary of the launching of ramen. <laughs> Outside of the country, with ramen exports setting new records here, although export figures are not so good, people love them, ramens. Uh, Gia, let's get more on this. Sure. So the cumulative value of ramen exports from January to July this year exceeded $500 million for the first time, which is a record high for this particular period. Now, this is a 17.7% increase from the previous record of January to July. Exports, exports, uh, exports, and instant noodle exports uh, during this period have increased every year since 2015. Now, on an annualized basis, instant noodle exports, uh, which reached 765.43 million U.S. dollars last year, uh, may surpass 1 billion U.S. dollars this year. And during the same period, the volume of ramyeon exports was 4.4 times higher this year than in 2015. Now, a major reason for the increase in demand for uh, Korean instant noodles overseas is the spread of K-content. Uh, K-movies and TV shows have exposed people eating uh, Korean instant noodles, which has increased interest in the product. And uh, as we all know, in the movie Parasite, Japagori, uh, which is a mix of two different types of noodles, actually received a lot of attention overseas as well. And according to industry insiders, uh, as Korean culture has become increasingly popular, uh, Korean ramyeon has begun to gain traction as well. And it's also influenced by uh, Parasite winning the Academy Award and as well as the influence of BTS. Because um, social on social media, there's also been a trend related to ramyeon spreading. Uh, BTS's Jimin was eating uh, those fire noodles or really spicy like noodles. The pruduk, pruduk yeah, yeah, the yeah. pruduk bokkumyeon uh, on a live broadcast, and this went viral. And uh, people were um, taking on these social media challenges to eat the product, uh, and it was being held in various countries. And the continuation of this convenience food product. Uh, and the popularity of them during the COVID-19 pandemic has also had a positive impact on uh, Korea's ramyeon exports. And as demand from overseas countries has increased, ramyeon companies have also started to expand their production facilities abroad. And industry and academic experts believe that the demand for Korean ramyeon will continue to increase in the future. And apparently, uh, the millennials and Gen Z is highly receptive to this product at Korean Instant Noodles, and demand is expected to really continue to grow. You know, um, like, I don't know about some of the other countries. Uh, I know that, like, Japan has really good instant noodles, mm -hmm. right? Like, I mean, it's known. Like, even Koreans kind of, like, uh, import them mm -hmm. uh, and stuff. But, like, I know in the United States, their instant noodle is terrible. <laughs> yeah, they have instant noodles? They do, but it's it's called, like, top ramyeon, and it's, oh. like, it's it's really bland. It's, mm. it's, it's what... When I was in college, it's what college kids used to buy when you're broke because oh. it used to cost like about like 49 cents for chicken flavor. Oh, wow. Um, and it's it's really small too. And if you eat it, like it tastes like almost like nothing. It, it's, it's, it's disgusting. And when they're used to eating something like that and they eat Korean ramen where mm -hmm. it's so flavorful, mm -hmm. it's so savory, mm -hmm. 
it just opens their eyes and it also helps that it comes out in a lot of these Korean shows and now you see all these uh, YouTube influencers doing all these challenges uh, and so forth and so yeah. Uh, Have you seen the large-sized doshirak ramen? That's the like other ridiculous size. thing that people aren't doing. Like, I don't know. You can't finish that. That's like that's for like eight, eight people, like ten, people, eight or yeah, ten eight people servings. or something like that. C- come on. I want to try it. You're not gonna finish that, G. You're, you're definitely not gonna finish that. Uh, Chris Rose says, "Is it bland as English food, though?" Y- yes. <laughs> if I were to describe English food, it's mm-hmm. it's it's like American ramen. That's how it. Would, no, I'm kidding. Uh, meanwhile, a cruise ship from China carrying mm-hmm. more than 680 Chinese tourists have returned to Jeju after more than six years. Uh, the Blue Dream Star, which departed from Shanghai, China, entered Jeju port at 2 p.m. Uh, this on Thursday, August 31st. It's been six years and five months since cruise ships from China were completely cut off uh, because of the clash they had diplomatically between South Korea and China over the deployment of the THAAD uh, defense system back in March 2017. So, Hannah, let's get more on this. Sure. Uh, Now, this is the first Chinese cruise to South Korea since China fully allowed group travel to the country. And on Thursday, 680 Chinese tourists disembarked from the Blue Dream Star and landed on Jeju Island. Now, Jeju Island, the Jeju Tourism Organization and the Jeju Special Self-Governing Provincial Tourism Association held a ceremony to welcome Chinese cruise tourists to the island. And their next destination was actually Nagasaki, Japan, but the typhoon led them to spend the night on Jeju Island before returning to Shanghai. Now, cruise ships from China will continue to visit Jeju after this date. It is. Uh, it will call at uh, Jeju Port and Gangjong Port in Seogipo 47 times through December. And to date, more than 47,000 tourists have visited Jeju through 28 cruise ships stops, and it is expected that more than 60,000 tourists will visit Jeju through a total of 54 stops, including those from China. And in particular, there are currently more than 334 cruise ships that have applied to enter Jeju port and Gangjong port next year. About 80% of these cruise ships are from China, which will bring about 900,000 tourists to Jeju. I'm telling you, before all of this happened, the Chinese tourists absolutely love of the Jeju mm-hmm. and they so, actually dominated the yeah. island. Oh, they did. Well, they're even buying yeah, land. Property, property and land. <laughs> yeah. So in both ways, they are dominating. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're going. They, we love it so much because mm-hmm. one of the things is in China, you can't own property. Right. Which again, I mean, you can say that China is like they are a communist country, but they mm-hmm. don't really act like a communist country. But they'll still play by some of the mm-hmm. communist rules, and that mm-hmm. you can't own property. So what they do is. We'll just buy property elsewhere. And so they're just buying a whole bunch of land and like, you know, real estate in Jeju. And we love it so much. We're just going to buy property is what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In the meantime, the foreign ministers of South Korea, the United States and Japan said that they would review independent sanctions against Pyongyang uh, after having a phone call shortly after North Korea uh, fired another launch vehicle carrying a military reconnaissance satellite uh, recently, which, of course, ended in a failed attempt. South Korean government has put those words into action. Chi, let's get more on those. Sure. So in response to North Korea's second attempt to launch a military reconnaissance satellite last month, the government imposed its own sanctions on North Korean companies and officials involved in the development of unmanned aerial vehicles. Now, the U.S. Treasury Department added North Korean nationals uh, operating in Russia to its sanctions list around the same time. And Hana will elaborate on Mm -hmm. the U.S sanctions later on. Uh, The foreign ministry explained 
The government designated five individuals and one organization involved in nuclear and missile development and financing as well uh, as subjects of independent sanctions against North Korea. Now, the sanctions company is Ryugyong Program Developing Company, which was involved in developing core technologies related to unmanned aerial, aerial vehicles and sending information technology uh, personnel as well. Now, the ministry explained these targets are the first to be designated by South Korea and demonstrate the government's strong commitment to leading the international community's efforts to block North Korea's development of satellites and uh, these unmanned aerial vehicles, evasion of sanctions, and nuclear and missile financing activities. Meanwhile, South Korean citizens need prior permission from the gover- government of uh, the governor of the Bank of Korea or the Financial Services Commission to engage in foreign exchange transactions or any financial transactions with individuals or entities designated under the sanctions. And unauthorized transactions are illegal and subject to punishment under related laws. Now, the UN administration has imposed uh, 11 sanctions 11 times since taking off in May last year, designating 54 individuals and 51 organizations, including this latest round. Also, the U.S. government uh, recently announced their sanctions against North Korean nationals and others uh, concerning North Korea's failed launch of the so-called reconnaissance satellite. Uh, of course, uh, the U.S. and uh, maybe South Korea and Japan have used other terminologies for this. Uh, Hannah, let's get more on that. Sure. Uh, now, the Office of Foreign Assets Control of the U.S. Department of the Treasury announced on its website on Thursday that it will be adding North Korean national Chun Jin-young and Russian national Sergei Mikhail Kozlov and Intellect LLC to its list of specially designated nationals. The Treasury Department said in a separate press release uh, t- that uh, today's action is in response to North Korea's recent failed launch of a reconnaissance satellite and targets individuals and entities that directly supported or helped generate revenue for North Korean entities involved in the development of weapons of mass destruction. Now, according to the Ministry of Finance, Chon uh, worked for Kozlov's uh, company and coordinated the activities of North Korean construction workers in Russia. And Kozlov also helped Chun procure supplies that are routinely routinely used in shipbuilding. And Chun also led a team of North Korean IT workers in Russia and was found to have worked with Russian nationals to secure identity documents for North Korean IT workers to work as freelancers on IT platforms. Now, Chun also coordinated a construction project between a front company for North Korea's second Academy of Natural Sciences and Kozlov's um, Intellect LLC. Now, the second Academy of Natural Sciences, which develops North Korea's intercontinental ballistic missiles and submarine-launched ballistic missiles, functions similarly to South Korea's Agency for Defense Development, and it is already under U.S. and U.N. Security Council sanctions. Now, Brian Nelson, who is the Treasury's Undersecretary for Terrorism and Financial Intelligence, said in a press release that today's action targets networks that enable North Korea's ballistic missiles and weapons of mass destruction in violation of United Nations Security Council resolutions and added the United States will continue to work closely with South Korea and Japan in our joint efforts to combat North Korea's illegal and destructive activities. Yeah, so what's happening is North Korea is probably going, what do we need to do for us to kind of prove that this is nothing to do with ballistic missile technology? 
technology or anything like that. We're playing by the international rule books. We've alerted Japan saying that we're going to be launching military reconnaissance satellite uh, somewhere between August 24th and August 31st. We're playing by the rule books. And even when they failed, they made the announcement, official announcement that they failed. Because like pre previously, when they made like uh, ICBM launches and it failed midair, they didn't report on that stuff. So they're going... This has nothing to do with any of our previous provocations. This is something different. You guys all have military spy satellites. Why can't we have it? But the way that the U.S. is kind of putting this is by them improving their spy satellite launch technology, they're also at the same time improving their ballistic missile technology as well because it's using the same technology. So, you know, the U.S., South Korea, and Japan, they do have a good point in that. The U.N. Security Council also sort of making the same point. And it's, what's interesting is they're also saying uh, that, uh, because if you guys remember recently that the U.N. Security Council uh, meeting, they had talks on the U North Korea human rights. And North Korea is like, what's this got to do with human rights? But they're saying, well, you're using the money that should be used for the people to kind of direct it to your missile technology. Hence, you have terrible conditions for the uh, the, uh, the average North Korean. So uh, I guess in that case, uh, the UNSC does have a very good point. Guys, thank you very much for coming in today and, of course, uh, celebrating the 20th anniversary, although Hannah didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I just, just sort of want to put that out there. But thank you very much for coming in, and we'll see you guys again next time. Thank see you. you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.